Welcome to the KPMG Tax Now podcast. In this podcast, we explore some of the more complex matters across tax, economics, regulation, and compliance. Each month, we meet with KPMG's foremost experts and other special guests to unpack key issues faced by taxpayers around the globe. It's evident that we live in interesting times and as the coronavirus has shown us, these interesting times are unpredictable and very dynamic and they often come from directions we hadn't necessarily expected. So it's incredibly important for us to get a handle on what's happening in the world and in order to build our resilience to those um, events and those themes and, of course, to get a handle on how they're going to impact on practical considerations like tax. So I'm very happy to be joined by Pete Madden today, who's the National Leader of International Tax at KPMG and a member of the KPMG Global International Tax Steering Committee. Hi, Pete. How are you going? Oh, well, thanks. That's great. And we're we're going to talk today about these international themes or these global themes and how they're impacting on tax around the world. My name is Meriden Burrell and I'm the director of the Australia Geopolitics Hub here at KPMG. And what our role is, is to help support clients in understanding and more importantly, navigating these kind of complexities. So Pete, let's get started talking about some of these big changes that we're, we're seeing happening around us at the moment. I think the first thing I'd like to ask you about is these these structural shifts in the international system. Now, I think we all know that the international system is not a natural, neutral thing, but it's something that that is constructed according to the um, circumstances at the time. And so, of course, we've been operating on a system that was really built after the Second World War with the Bretton Woods institutions being put into place, and then more particularly after the end of the Cold War, where we saw a kind of a, a unilateral structure with the US as one of the as, as the major power. We're really seeing that start to change over the last few years. And I wondered with that change, and particularly say the rise of Asia and the growing wealth of Asia, would people talk about the Asian century? How do you think that as a as as the first major theme is affecting tax regimes around the world? And I know that's an enormous question and bringing it down to sort of specific tax systems is, is probably a difficult one. But are you noticing anything there, Pete? Yeah, look, I suppose the, the, the biggest thing I've seen, and it's really just accelerated, is the sort of globalisation of uh, production of physical goods and probably a move in, in uh, towards... Um, uh, the value being from physical goods to services and especially digital services and you know that's ramped up you know even the last 10 years now we might have had a, a slight step back in the um, the lockdown we've seen around the world but you know we've seen that the whole supply chains of um, the production of our goods and services is uh, being allocated to the country that best best reduce it and obviously we've seen a huge shift in manufacturing to countries like China and that's probably now shifting to even lower cost jurisdictions but uh, we've seen very um, significant um, and complex supply chains uh, around the world the, the corporates may still be owned in the traditional countries such as the US or Europe 
but their their whole uh, production uh, development of the ultimate product that they're delivering is um, manufactured or, or or the IP is developed in various jurisdictions around the world, and and that's really posed a huge issue is to where are the actual profits being earned and sh who should have the uh, the rights to tax the profits made by a multinational uh, corporation or group that um, has activities that generate the income you know, all around the world. And probably the other factor is that, uh, especially with the digital thing, you know, uh, economy is you know, where is actually those profits earned, you know, where the, the um, you don't have to have a physical presence in a jurisdiction in which to um, to generate profits, and that's really uh, been a dilemma of um, taxing authorities to, to work out, you know, how they could you know tax profits, which was very simple when you had um, goods being exported, manufactured, and export, or or IP developed and licensed. That's really simple to work out who who should have the right to tax that. But with the mobility of uh, movement of production facilities and development of um, uh, the IP, uh, we've seen a rise in tax competition between jurisdictions. They see a low tax rate as being a good way to attract business into that country. And Ireland's a classic example. The economy has boomed in the last 30 years because they were the first to provide tax incentives to move high-value uh, production, especially in the, in the um, the digital space over to Ireland, so uh, and this has continued. So we've seen a global reduction in corporate tax rates to, because of competition. And do you see that increasing? I mean, do you think what we've seen with um, COVID nineteen will continue to accelerate and exacerbate that that tendency? Um, I probably think we've come to the limit. Um, I, I think. People are, are now concerned that their, their tax base is being eroded. Uh, so whilst there might be uh, still comp uh, competition on the sort of headline rates, there'll be other mechanisms of levying tax. And we've certainly seen it in the um, uh, the digital economy where they, they're just charging a flat fee until they can work out the best way to do it for um, uh, sales into your jurisdiction. So. Uh, yeah, the countries will be very careful to make sure that they get their fair share of tax uh, rising from activities in their jurisdiction. And that um, you mentioned the the kind of increasing challenges that um, digitisation is causing, um, and I guess we're thinking here about um, BEPS 2.0 and and that kind of thing, and the OECD's challenges there in um, coming up with something that, a, con a consensus of some sort. And I think this is another really important theme that, of course, interplays um, with, with the one we were just speaking about, these dramatic advances in technology um, and cyber and the way in which it's changing people's lives and the impact on the human condition, and you know, from fun driverless car kinds of things and fridges that can order your groceries, but also, of course, in in much more critical things like huge health data sets to predict and prevent disease, data collection, um, surveillance and monitoring capabilities. And with all of these, and, and, and of course, you know, with COVID, we've seen an enormous um, technological increase in, in the speed and the breadth and the capabilities of tech, particularly, I think, in the Asian region. 
how do you think that's then um, adding to that first theme that we discussed? How do you think those technological advancements are impacting the tax landscape around the world? Well, that's, yeah, and that's the very issue in that um, to work out where the value is being created, like, uh, and technology, technology, it's really hard to work out where that's actually sitting. You know, like uh, you certainly have people developing that and you sort of the, uh, the tech companies in the US have, you know, giant numbers of people working on developing uh, that technology. And, you know, principally that's probably in the, the West Coast of the US. That's where the main centres are. Uh, but the question is, um, is it fair that, you know, all the revenue just floats, floats back or under control of that and not in the country where that technology is being deployed. Obviously, there was this sales function, but as we see, um, we've moved into sort of less human intervention or, or human activity in delivering that product. Um, it really puts a challenge in to say, you know, uh, where where are those profits actually being generated? Obviously, uh, a jurisdiction uh, can say that it's created the the uh, platform for 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 the um, the profits to be earned. They have you know laws that um, uh, deal with uh, data integrity, you know, deal with competition, respect uh, copyrights, and so forth. So uh, there's certainly the Bet Two is really focusing on that to say, look, those jurisdictions in which where that technology is actually deployed have have a right to um, to to uh, share in some of the profits that have been made from those those jurisdictions. Obviously, Australia is a very profitable jurisdiction for a lot of technology companies because uh, yeah, we have a very sound um, legal system. You know, a quite a prosperous economy, but it's it's just not an area that you know, Australia is focusing on. We don't develop that much technology, so um, you know, Australia would feel that um, yeah, as an example that it 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 should be entitled to. Uh, some of the profits that have been generated by increasingly uh, performance of this uh, this digital services, digi uh, um, and that's becoming the high value part of our economy more and more. And 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 a lot of that is developed remotely. Australia has maybe a part of that, but not a huge huge part of that. And we're seeing that you know, right across the globe that uh, countries are really aware of that. Uh, the whole way of business is done has completely changed and and, and are tr truly valuable. Even it goes to medical science and a lot, lots of industry. It, you know, it's the technology part of that that's really the high value part that you, you can uh, source remotely from Australia. You don't need the people in the particular jurisdiction to um, uh, to perform those services you know, or parts of those services. And, and Pete, do you happen to have any kind of... Um secret insights into how BEPS 2.0, how the OECD is going on BEPS 2.0 and, and where it's up to on reaching consensus at the moment? No, I haven't really got too much update at the moment. I um, I think they will go for a consensus. They just, you know, well, hopefully go for a consensus. We just can't have each country going off to do their, their own thing. You know, a lot of European countries have done that. We, we we definitely need consensus. I I I feel that it will be some sort of um, uh, levy on based on the sales in the jurisdiction or deemed de profits based on on those sales. So 
I think there's a there's a fair bit of work, but uh, we will see in relation certainly to the digital economy, and hopefully it just stays at the digital economy where they are relying on the um, information gathered in that jurisdiction and activities of you know the customers working between each other in that jurisdiction uh, that some profits should be allocated to that uh, otherwise it's it can get out of control like uh, and it could spread uh, to all the digital services and then it could spread to things like the physical uh, so uh, goods delivered if you have a captured market you know you know primary resources going just to one market they may feel that they have a right to tax those if um, uh, if you extend the concept of you know taxing at uh, source rather than uh, of where the revenue comes from as opposed to where the the, the product or, or service is generated it sounds like um, this tech transformation then has a really has a potential to make a really big impact on on tax structures both domestically and internationally quite a quite an important um, development and um, not exactly clear how it's going to play out. Is that is that a fair understanding? That's absolutely right. Like we're in a state of flux, and, and as I go back, there's competition, and there's there's also it, countries are under severe pressure to to raise revenue now. Um, right, right. In, and in if you sort of feel you're a loser in this, yeah, under COVID, you know, there's huge deficits out there, um, and they need quick revenue, um, and they they know they they probably limited to taxing their own corporates to a certain extent or the old traditional me methods of raising revenue. So they're going to have to look at new ways of um, you know, capturing revenue in relation to their economies. And do you think that will mean that there'll be, that countries might be less, I mean, I guess this is a bit of a broad question, but less likely to be inclined to be generous in their negotiations on um, on BEPS 2.0 because they now have this, this um, real domestic imperative to try and raise money to to pay back what they've spent on on looking after and managing COVID. Yes, I, I, I think it's definitely right. Like I think um, it's changed the landscape. You know, you know, there's there's obviously huge amount of debt that's been created um, in all jurisdictions because of COVID, and uh, they will need to restore their balance sheets as as quickly as possible. And um, yeah, I think uh, they will be looking uh, for something that will give them. You know, of quick revenue and um, certainly levying and on based on sales would, for example, would be a way of doing that. That's a really interesting point about this this domestic these domestic imperatives and how much they're increasingly um, impacting um, broader international cooperation on it, on things you know like various global public goods, including sort of um, international tax regimes. Um, and I think what we're seeing at the moment, and, and you, you only really have to glance at the headlines uh, to see it, is a growing domestic discontent around the world. Um, and the United States is, is perhaps the most recent um, that we've, we're seeing. But where there seems to be, a, in the last few years, we've seen a lot of riots, a lot of protests in places um, in the world where we hadn't necessarily expected them. And there seems to be a theme among those in one way or another that there's a perception, real or inexperienced as well, sorry, real or experienced, um, of inequality and marginalisation and that the globalising project, the kind of um, project of global capitalism 
hasn't worked out and that people are being um, extremely marginalised and haven't had an opportunity to benefit from that. And whether or not that's true or it's a perception, it's certainly something that's very strongly felt around the world. And what that's leading to is a real strong, strong, really strong sense of mistrust towards elites, and that's both business elites and political elites. And I think we're really starting to see that grow around the world as we see these scenes of protest that, that people believe that authorities can't be trusted. And in, in response to that, there's a political shift as well at the, at the political leadership level to this populist kind of leadership that actually thrives on and in its own way depends on and reiterates and builds on that discontent, that um, popular sense of dissatisfaction. And a kind of cycle is created where you have that discontent, populist leaders um, use it, leverage it and build on it and create further rifts and schisms in society. So we're seeing um, ethnic divisions, religious divisions, all of these sorts of things being deliberately used by populist leaders around the world. And an, an, a broader environment of protecting the domestic uh, against the rest of the world, um, but but the domestic is also becoming more and more volatile. Um, do you see that as having an impact on tax regimes, both the kind of the in, the domestic institutions? So as we see more populism um, growing in the world, populist leadership styles, we at the same time see things like um, less free media or that the legal systems are being undermined, that civil society is being undermined, that independent rule of law is being undermined. So that in the domestic sphere, but also at the international sphere, the kind mm. of um, emphasis on sovereignty and the emphasis on, you know, we've got to look after ourselves, the international system is not working for us, we've got to just take care of ourselves and this um, much more inward fo focus. How do you see those domestic and international attitudes of um, discontent impacting tax regimes? Yeah, quite significantly, actually, and I agree with everything you said, that uh, certainly wealth has become very concentrated, you know, uh, and it's probably going back to the uh, the wealth concentration that we had at the turn of the, the 20th century, that the wealth is concentrated in the, not the top 1%, the top 1,000%. And obviously, that's caused a lot of discontent in very large segments of populations of even the industrialized and uh, wealthy countries. So and what I'm seeing is that, that um, the governments really have to divert the attention from that, that they haven't really been prepared to, to deal with that by taxation. They've been talked about wealth taxes. I think that could well come back into play because the actual concentration of wealth is, is, is quickly, um, concentrating it in the hands of a very few. So that's one thing that we may, may well see, but it does come, come to the fore where, you know, political leaders are trying to divert attentions and the, the popular statements like we've got to bring manufacturing back back home, uh, We everybody's trying to rip us off, so we're going to put tariffs on. So um, my concern is it's probably the more the tariffs, the restrictions on trade, that we're going to see as a result of this. Everybody's you know, trying to curry favour with the, the local you know, dying industries by saying, you know, uh, we're going to put tariffs on because everybody's dumping you know, goods into our country. We're going to keep the steel mills going in, in the US and 
uh, and so forth. And and that's that's a really bad outcome. I, I think it's a really bad combination of, of events, and it's easy for uh, you know leaders to s- sort of blame the foreigner uh, for the, the woes of the domestic market, and then uh, and start to sort of become ring fencing their economies and say you know we've got to fix that up. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, more so in tariffs than probably uh, less inviting um, foreign investment into a jurisdiction. So more scrutiny on that and maybe greater taxes. Whereas with uh, probably the last 20 years, we've seen opening up of um, a free investment between jurisdictions. We, there's a real risk that that will start to be wound back because of uh, you know the current uh, environment of uh, a lot of people feeling left out of any uh, Wealth, wealth generation that's uh, occurred over the last uh, 20, 20 or so years. Yeah, it really sounds from what you're saying as if we're looking at that, going back to the first um, theme we were talking about, that the, the, the Cold War structures or certainly the, pers- the post-Cold War stru- structures and the post-World War II structures that we've been operating in in terms of understanding these international flows and international cooperation are really starting to be challenged by these um, political changes around the world it sounds um it sounds like it's it's really quite going to be quite a different and challenging landscape um and i think another thing that's adding of course to the uncertainty is climate change and we see that um, data from scientific organizations like nasa and australia's own csiro show very clearly that the planet's already warming and that's set to continue and and this often i think gets um not mainstreamed into people's thought about risks um, and opportunities in doing business and particularly in the tax environment. But this idea that extreme weather events like the catastrophic catastrophic storms or bushfires or floods that we've all we've recently experienced. We've had floods in Indonesia, we're looking at a big hurricane season in the US again this year, of course the bushfires in Australia earlier this year. And as well as that, the impact on critical resources, particularly on water supplies. And that's something that's really um, a big focus in Asia. So we've seen that um, in Australia, we almost ran out of water earlier this year. But there's also a lot of um, domestic as, and domestic tensions and domestic pressure on accessing a critical resource like clean water. And that, tends, that can overflow into cross-border tensions as well. So climate change in terms of these... Um, impacts on on the natural world, but also on the impacts in terms of human resources, where people are going to be located, where they're going to have to migrate if resources shift or if um, it becomes impossible to exist there in that particular geographical location in the future. How do you think those kinds of changes might impact tax? Um, I think the the, probably the first thing I think is that... um, Hopefully, and I think a lot of countries do recognise that the the um, uh, the environment is changing, and there's certain industries that have more adverse effect to, uh, to the economy versus, you know, say, coal versus um, renewables. Uh, so there's probably two ways tax can be really useful. There is that you start taxing the damage, and that's where the the, uh, the carbon tax was looked at, or you, you provide incentives to um, uh, move to um, less uh, environmentally damaging uh, means of production. Um, and 
I think more and more people are on board with that. The risk is the um, uh, the governments have become very inwardly focused. Then they may they realise it, but they, it's just not popular to say. So, uh, in in ideal environment, I think uh, tax would be a great mechanism to um, to di to uh, enhance the move to more environmentally um, uh, friendly ways of production. It just really uh, it should be. It should be a cost that um, should be paid for, and tax is the way way to uh, to deal with that. Um, you know, just unfortunately, uh, the progress has not been great to date because there is a lot of objections to it, or or, or um, self interest of um, a number of parties that uh, resist this change. But uh, oh, you know, as time goes by, as people are going to realise the damage that. Uh, that's been uh, the climate change is doing, and uh, they realise that things have to be done to do it, and and taxes is, is a good lever to uh, to to um, help move that uh, change along. We're seeing that a bit in the um, EU, aren't we, with their um, green deal policies, um, including things like um, taxes around emitters and emissions, and that may have implications for Australia as well. Do you have any thoughts on that? That's right, and you know you see the pace of change. Like um, I think even Germany's probably st stopped all coal-powered power generation, or must be very close to it, and uh, uh, and they were able to do it, and, uh, and you know, and providing incentives so it's not too much uh, economic dislocation from that move. But once you 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 do that, you you, you see uh, it's been successfully implemented. That can can come to Australia, and I think. You know, a lot of countries are moving that way, and um, uh, and I think it, it, the economics drives everything. You know, once it becomes non-economical to operate the traditional uh, methods of uh, producing energy, you know, the other ones are more more embraced. And um, I think that you know, you, you just see how fast the even in Australia the renewables uh, percentage that uh, it's taking up of the uh, energy production and. Uh, a lot of that was driven through the um, uh, the incentives, and then obviously a lot of uh, investors are becoming more focused on you know, climate friendly types of uh, places that they're going to put the money in. So all that combination uh, hopefully will drive it to uh, to renew uh, reducing the uh, the carbon output. Well, that's that's good. That sounds um, an optimistic note. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, because I think what we've been talking about here, these these kind of broad geopolitical themes, they're 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 pretty major. I mean, it's hard to um, overstate. I think um, the the importance of what's going on at the moment, and I think it's it's sometimes a little bit difficult to quite take on board the enormity of the shifts that we're seeing and the fact that they're not one-offs, they're not uh, glitches in the proverbial matrix, that these are something that are quite fundamental um, and a, a pretty profound recalibration of how the world is, is working. And while we're in this flux, we don't really know exactly what we need to do in order to manage it. And probably the best response then, therefore, is to build resilience rather than um, set out specific plans of A, B, C and then D. When you add all of these things up that we've been talking about, what's your kind of then, just as a f final thought, your overall 
view um, of what the tax landscape, the tax environment looks like in the medium future, coming out of COVID and moving into the medium term future? Uh, I think there's going to be change. There's going to be sort of um, one that uh, governments will need to continue to collect significant amounts of revenue. Uh, they will be looking at new ways of getting it, and that's the sort of the BEPS 2.0 type type of range, uh, arrangement to do it. They've got to look at different ways of of collecting revenue, and I, I did talk about say wealth tax or inheritance tax, maybe something that comes back on the agenda. Um, uh, the negative wins are the the, um, the really isolated approach or the populist approach, who may end up uh, resulting in uh, things such as increased tariffs, which again it's just a different ways. It doesn't really uh, create that much ta extra taxation, but it does stop uh, global trade, which which would be a bad thing. Uh, I yeah there there will be there'll be changes and not all those changes will be good, um, I'm thinking, uh, in the next uh, quite a few years as we recover from the, uh, the huge cost of dealing with the, uh, the COVID-19 um, lockdown. Right, so a lot, to, a lot to think about, certainly. And, um, and even though we are, in Australia at least, coming out of our restrictions a bit, certainly not, um, not going to just bounce back to a business-as-usual model any time in the next few years. I'd like to thank you very much, Pete, for a really interesting um, analysis of how these global changes are going to affect at a pra that practical level um, in the tax landscape. And um, I really appreciate your, your great knowledge and expertise on the issue. So thank you so much for your time, Pete. Well, well thanks very much for allowing me to talk today. Thanks for listening to another episode of the KPMG Tax Now podcast. If you'd like to ask us a question, please send us an email at kpmgtaxnow at kpmg.com.au. Be sure to subscribe at kpmg.com forward slash au forward slash tax now or follow our LinkedIn page KPMG Tax Now Insights for regular updates. That's all for now. We look forward to sharing more insights with you soon.